Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The book of Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 16. I feel such a, just a sweet presence of the Lord. Amen. If you haven't felt that sweet presence of God yet, please lean in. And uh, no matter what you have to shake off, no matter what you have to dismiss, we will never be able to recapture the next few moments we're going to have together. And so it'll be worth the effort of just shaking it off just, and just let the Spirit of God touch us in this place. Proverbs 24 and 16. The Bible says, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. I realize that we've had some breaks between the the messages of um, Proverbs. We've been spending a little time on a series that I've entitled Words to Live By. Tonight we will bring this to an end, not because we're through talking about all of the things that we could talk about in Proverbs, but... One of the goals that I've had while we've on this journey, while we've been on this journey, is to show how relevant the ancient truths of the Word of God are for us today. They're, they're not antiquated words that we just need to find a back storage room and, and put them there. But they are as relevant for us today as they have ever been. The Bible shows us in practical application that many principles of life have never changed from the beginning of time until right now. Time and circumstance has done an awful lot to take a toll on many things, a lot of things in our own country. We have seen the complexion of those things change. I find it uh, yet amazing that although time and circumstances has been able to weather And wear a lot of things down. Time and circumstance has not been able to erase nor even erode the powerful, timeless truths and their significance that are bound up in the Word of God. And so when I I read my Bible, whatever time of the day that may be, when I read my Bible, I want to realize that I'm not just holding a book or I'm not just holding a device (laughs) whatever that may be, a phone or a tablet of some sort to, but I'm holding in my hands promises. They're not promises to someone else so far that I've never met, but they are promises to me. And that's what I want to really underscore tonight. When you think about how much change has taken place in the last 30 or 40 years, it's staggering, really. Uh, do you know that someone that, was, that has only been gone from this life, it may sound like a long time to some, but somebody that's only been gone from this life for 30 or 40 years, if, if we could resurrect them and bring them back, 
They would not be able to comprehend the changes that have taken place. They've been very subtle for us, and so uh, we've been able, for the most part, to keep up with a lot of that. But if we could resurrect someone and just bring them back into this day that has only been gone a few decades, the change has been staggering. Yet there is one, one thing that has not changed, and that is the basic need of mankind. Our needs are much the same, much the same. There's a central truth, I think, that is found in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8 that has not changed from the beginning of time until this very Wednesday night that we stand. And that principle is this, that our adversary is still going about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's what he was doing in the Garden of Eden. Amen. That's what he was doing as far back as you can get your Bible to go. We find him trying to deceive and destroy mankind. And so uh, despite, despite that fact, despite the fact that he is still seeking to destroy you and I tonight, God's word is still my greatest weapon of warfare. And so I know it's been quoted just thousands of times, but David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That means something to you when you're 16. But it means a little more to you when you're 20. But it means a little bit more to you when you're 30. And when you're 40 and when you're 50, the word of God just becomes more and more precious because we realize that in truth, this is the most valuable thing that I possess. And that is what we stand on, God's word. And so to that end, I pray that these messages have not been something that we just heard with our ears, but didn't receive into our spirit. But I pray that we can realize that this is not just an old book, and this is not just some old man's opinion, but there are divine principles that are given to us that really will work. I've enjoyed to have the opportunity to make this journey through some of these passages, and I personally want to rise to the challenge to allow the wisdom of God's word in Proverbs to encompass my life. The word that we have been considering has not been just occasional truths that are uh, only situational in nature. We've been talking about several different subjects, but we've been looking into passages that serve us every day in our lives, every day. And so this evening, our subject will be much the same. When we read the passage of Scripture given to us in Proverbs 24 and 16, the just man, for a just man, falleth seven times and riseth up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. The real question is not whether or not we're going to fall. And I didn't come here to paint your world gray, I promise you that. But we, there are some truths that we can't avoid. And so the question is not whether or not we will stumble or fall. The question is, what are we going to do and how are we going to handle the situations that tempt us to stumble? There are a number of things that come to mind, and sometimes we face things often in life. Perhaps Satan puts obstacles in our path to, des- to des- destroy us or just to detour us at, at a minimum, or, or possibly we're suffering at the hand of our own poor decisions. Amen. And there's nothing wrong with saying amen to that because it would fit all of us. Because there are are some skeletons that kind of haunt us of 
of poor decisions that we've all made in our life. I'm not trying to be negative when I say that, but, but despite having the Bible and knowing how to live and how to act, sometimes we still fall flat on our face. I speak from experience. And so I want to just address this tonight because that's what our text is talking about. Solomon, in all of his wisdom, speaks directly into the heart of what we do and how we handle these situations. In, in our text, Solomon said a just man may fall seven times. I don't think the relevance there is numerical, but I think the relevance there is found in when Simon asked him how many times do we forgive seven. He said 70 times seven. I don't think it's a math equation. I think there's a principle there that a just man may fall many times, but he's going to continue to get up again. And so it's not about how many times that we fall that really count, but it's how many times we get up and march forward. I realize that sometimes we don't even like to think about failure, and, and uh, I get that, but to be sure, it's an uncomfortable subject. But one of the most elite contributors and writers to the entire New Testament was the Apostle Paul. Yet the Bible indicates that he even had times of discouragement. Now, I've met people, and I'm not here across swords, but I've met people in my journey with God that have said they have never been discouraged. And to them, I say, God bless you. That is not my testimony. Now, I don't sit under the juniper tree and try to find every cliff or every other cliff to jump off of. But there have been times I've been on the bottom with my feet hanging over the edge. Amen. And I, I, I appeared that I wasn't alone because I could hear voices around me. Uh, other people had joined me on the bridge. <laughs> and so we've been there. We've been there. The Apostle Paul was there. He faced seasons of being physically knocked down. He faced seasons of being emotionally or spiritually knocked down. Yet, somehow, he just continued to rise again. I'm thankful for the, the fact that Paul, and I'm really thankful for the fact that anybody can be honest enough to just talk about this stuff. <laughs> Amen. We, we need not pretend that nothing's wrong if something's wrong. And so I'm thankful that, that Paul is honest, honest enough to write not only about these seasons of life, but how he handled them, and the good things are the things that came from them. Just look with me, if you will, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 8. Here's what Paul said. He said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest, listen, in our body. <laughs> Amen. So I know we shout about trouble, not distressed, perplexed, not despair, persecuted, not forsaken, cast down, not destroyed, but we, we best not to skip over verse number 10. Because he said that we, we are bearing about the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that in the life also of Jesus might be that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body or in our lives. Listen, verse number eleven: For we which live are always delivered unto the death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Amen. The Lord didn't fill us with the Holy Ghost just to fill us with the Holy Ghost. 
He didn't just save us to save us, but he saved us to save others. Not only just saving others by being a witness with our lips, but is also saving others by the witness of our lives. Because believe it or not, people are watching. Amen. I know that you're aware that they're watching me. I'm the pastor of the church. I'm convinced that you have no trouble believing people are watching me. And if you're having any trouble, I'll meet with you a little while after church and convince you they're not having any trouble watching me. But they're watching you as well. They're watching everybody that professes any measure of a walk with God. They're watching. Amen. That's not a negative statement. That's a very powerful statement. That's a very positive statement. Because Paul said that we might manifest some things in our lives. So Paul indicates that he had suffered greatly. Not only at the hands of the world. He certainly had suffered greatly at the hands of the world. But he also, like Jesus Christ, suffered at the hands of fellow believers. Amen. Asaph said, or, or, or was it David that said, I could have handled this. I could have bore this. Or, if, if it had been, David, had, if it had been an enemy, if an enemy had done this to me, I, I would understand that. But he said, the wounds that have been inflicted upon me came to me from the very person that goes with me to the house of worship, to the house of prayer. Well, I'll tell you what, if that hasn't happened to you, just hang on. Amen, it will happen, it will happen. I'm not trying to prophesy doom and gloom, I'm just talking about human nature. And so sometimes the wounds that have been inflicted have come in the house of our friends, so to speak. But we look at Paul, not just triumphant over the world, but Paul was triumphant even when his wounds came a little closer by. So he allows his life to be examined and to be example as what we should do when we fall. There have been times that we wondered if we had the strength to press on. Amen. I've never been tired of serving God. I've said this countless times, but I have been tired in serving God. I've never grown weary of loving him or, 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 or being in the church or wanting to be a part. I, I try to tell the Lord all the, all, all the time, and I know that he knows the intent of my heart. I love you with everything that I have. And there's nothing in this world that I love more than I love you. But there have been times that the cross has been heavy. And, 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 the, and the burden has been, been heavy. And, and, and my steps have staggered. And, and when I look at, at men like the Apostle Paul that just had the ability to press on. Not because it was fun, not because it was comfortable, but they just pressed on. And so we're, we're, there are many reasons I'm, I'm aware that we ought to keep pressing on. But I think when we realize the fact that, that we've really been redeemed, I, I know they were singing, talking and singing about the blood Sunday. But when we think about the redemptive nature of the blood, oh my, oh my. Amen. I, I, I try to incorporate very early into my daily prayer. I want to thank you, Lord, for my heritage. Amen. I try to incorporate that very early on in my daily prayer because I want you to know that I'm thankful for godly grandparents and godly parents. Amen. Now, now I didn't get any spirituality genetically handed to me. Amen. I got my mother's nose and her eyes and I got my daddy's hands, but I didn't get their prayer life handed to me. I didn't get their knowledge of the word of God handed to me. I didn't get that. But I am thankful that they, they made it easier for me to make my way to the foot of the cross. 
And so I thank you for my heritage. I thank you, God, that I didn't have a lot of stuff. I had to move out of the way. Amen. I say this humbly before this congregation tonight. I know there are men and women in this house that you had to move a whole lot more out of your way to get to the cross than I had to move out of mine. Amen. I'm not boasting. Please don't, don't take that wrong. So I'm, I'm thankful for the blood that redeemed me. Amen. I'm thankful. I'm no more redeemed than anybody in this house. You know that. But I'm thankful for the blood. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 and 20, for ye are bought with a price. We know that price. Amen. We know the price was the blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary. He said, therefore, because of this, he said, then you ought to glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. They belong to God. We've been bought with a price. Another passage says, no, you're not that you've been bought with a price. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And so we know that now we've been bought to glorify God in our body and in our spirit. Without a doubt, our lives should glorify the Lord. And so every day we are a living example to the world. And they are watching. And so as we press through trials and tribulations that we encounter because we're human and because we're in this world and it rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. <laughs> Somebody said this recently. I'm not sure if you're here tonight. Please forgive me. I would credit you if I knew who said this. But somebody said we have to remember that when the manna fell every morning, people that, that, people that deserved it picked it up and people that didn't deserve it picked it up. The manna just fell. God in his grace just let manna fall. And there may be somebody open, kick open the flat door of their tent to go out there and gather theirs and look across the way and say, man, look at that. That guy, he don't deserve no manna. <laughs> so we have things that happen to us in life just because we're in this world. And so our testimony as people watch us not only high, we talk about that a lot. Tonight we're talking about watching us fall. And so our testimony is not found in the fact that life pulled the rug out from under us. Our testimony is found in the fact that we got back up. Because <laughs> he said a, a, a righteous man may fall seven times, but he riseth again. John 16 and 33 said... These things have I spoken unto you that ye might that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. That sounds frightening. But he said, but be of good cheer, <laughs> for I have overcome the world. And so he is living in us. And so if we are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we have overcome in power, not housed in this sanctuary. We have overcome in power, not just locked up in one of these rooms back here that we get here on Sunday and Wednesday but I brought him to church with me. I'm going to take him home with me. I'm going to lay down with him tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. And should I need him at the two o'clock hour, I'm going to whisper his name. Hallelujah. And it won't be about how many goats I've got to sacrifice until I feel his presence, but at the mention of his name, I can feel the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. He said, I have overcome the world. 
And so I have overcoming in power in my life. So that tells me that I have the ability to keep pressing on. The bride of Christ is on this earth to have a godly influence on others. And so when we refuse to give up during seasons of adversity, we tell the world that Jesus Christ is sufficient to bring us through the hard times. And I'm still willing to serve him even in the difficult hours. Not just when everything's all right in my life. Amen. In the Old Testament, God took Moses to the mountain and wrote his law upon the tables of stone. But God did not leave his word scribbled in stone. When we need a word of consolation and comfort, (laughs) hallelujah, when I need direction in my life, I don't have to cry out for somebody to dig out the tablet. Amen, I don't have to cry for somebody to pull out the rock. But I know what Paul said to the Corinthian church in three and two. He said, ye are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men, for as much as ye are manifested, manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, Hallelujah. But with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. David said it, I mentioned a moment ago, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I know that everybody here tonight would not stand and profess that you could quote uh, all just chapters and chapters and chapters of the word of God. Amen. But if you're here in this house and you're a student of the Word of God, I like what I heard a few nights ago. Someone said, he said the Bible, and and I'm not taking away from reading our Bible through. I enjoy that challenge every year and want to continue with doing that. But he said the Bible didn't say read your Bible through. The Bible says study. (laughs) Study to show yourself approved. And I understand what he was I don't understand what he was saying about that. So I don't want to just read it through and enclose it and feel like I've done all that I need to do. I have a responsibility not just to read it. I'm reading it to familiarize myself with it. I'm reading it because I still read the Bible after many, 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 many years of reading through the Word of God and still read the Bible and think, I've never read that. So I want to familiarize myself with this. I want, to, I want to familiarize myself with it. I want to know what I have in my library. I want to know what is there. I, just let me divert just a moment. But for many years, I have, I have made the transition and used a computer and a Bible program to study with. And it was a hard transformation for me to make many years ago uh, to get away from literal books and things of that nature. But it was, once I got used to it, a very... Easy thing, but when you are when you are purchasing a Bible program of some sort, it just comes with all sorts of resources, and so you've got all these resources. And now, uh, many of those resources are right here on uh, this iPad in front of me. But because there's not literal bookshelves, and I can't look up and see the books that are there, Amen. There, there is a strategy for for familiarizing yourself with those books, and that is to print out that list and look over that list and realize, hey, I've got something on that subject here. Hey, I've got something. There's so much there. But And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll, we'll forget that there's word tucked away in our heart. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me now. Amen. We'll forget that there's, there's word tucked away in our heart. And, and we think, well, I can't quote this whole chapter. I can't quote uh, 17 verses out of this. But you know what? There have been times that God has quickened his word to my heart. Yes, sir. Amen. There have been times God has quickened his word to my heart. You know why? Because he didn't write them now just on on tables of stone, but he wrote them on the tables of a fleshly heart. (laughs) 
hallelujah, in the fleshly tables of the heart. That's where his word abides. Amen. And, and now I'm not suggesting that, that it's just going to fall down out of the sky. Please hear me. Amen. If, if you want the book in you, you've got to get in the book. If you want the word in you, you've got to get into the word. It's not just going to fall off on you. But verse number four said, And such trust we have through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient to, of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Hallelujah. God has divinely filled our mouth. When, the, when he commissioned the disciples the very first time, he said, don't take anything with you. Don't take raiment. Don't take food. Don't take anything with you. And he said, when you get there, I'll fill your mouth. I will fill your mouth with words. I'm going to tell you that there have been times that situations have been posed. There have been questions that have been asked. Didn't always have the answer, but there have been times that God just anointed my mind with an answer. And I'm inside answering with my mouth, and my mind is wondering, where in the world did that come from? Amen. Because our sufficiency is not of us, but it is of God. And so when we've got God's word written in our heart and life throws us a curveball that we just can't handle, a situation that pulls the rug out from under us, we can keep pressing on because God's word is written in our heart. And so God's word, God's word will mean very little to us if you never claim it. I mean, they tell me, I've read several articles on this and, and, and many things are on the internet, but there's just all sorts of unclaimed things in the world. Not just money, but unclaimed inheritances of all sorts. And to think that, some, uh, that, that, that someone may have uh, something willed to us at this very moment. We are sitting here oblivious to that and, and know nothing about it. And someone has already given to us our name as a sign to it. We've just never been able to connect those dots. And I'm going to tell you that if we could ever rise and realize, realize what God's word has promised us. If his word, in his word, he teaches me that God is love. And so if... God is love. Then I, when I feel so unlovable, that's when I gotta reach out and claim God's love. I don't have trouble believing that when I'm lovable. But there are days that I don't feel so lovable. And it's at that moment that I get up and dirt and mire and dust is all over me. And I gotta say, God's word teaches me that he is love. I gotta claim that love for myself. His word teaches me that God is good. Then I've gotta claim that God will be good to me. I know he'll be good to you, but I gotta claim that he'll be good to me. Is this all right? Amen, if his word teaches me that God is forgiven, then I have got to believe that God can forgive me. I gotta lay claim to that. If his word teaches me that God will work my tribulation out for my betterment and for his glory, then I've got to get a hold of that promise and I gotta pull that into the fabric of who I am. Many of the promises, many of these we learn from the word of God. All things that are, are things uh, that, that sometimes that, that we can't wrap our minds around things, that we can't believe that God would do that for us, but somehow we've got to claim that word for ourselves. Many of the promises that we learn from the word of God are things that we can only appropriate in our lives after we fall. <laughs> I think one of the 
men, one of the speakers at our men's conference said, said something about, do you realize that in order for there to be a miracle, somebody's got to be in dire straits? And, and there's a lot of little one-liners that if, if there's no way to get a message without being in a mess. No way to have a testimony without having a test. And on and on and on that can go. But many of the promises of God, we could never realize until we need them. We can never afford to lose sight of the fact that God has called us to be a witness. And so... If anyone understood this principle, I certainly believe the Apostle Paul did. And so this is what Paul just had to say about one segment of his life. The book of Philippians 1.12, the Bible says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Now that's a that's a pretty chipper way to look at something. <laughs> I just want you to understand, Paul is in a mess, ladies and gentlemen. A mess. And he's writing to others, not a prayer request. He's trying to console them to say, you need to wrap your minds around this. That what has happened unto me has fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds, verse 13, in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all other, in all other places. He was saying, God has allowed me to be a witness right here where I am. Do you realize that because I'm going through what I'm going through, I'm meeting people that I would have never met otherwise? <laughs> I, I'm able to witness to people that I never would have been able to witness to otherwise. This has only furthered the gospel. This has only spread the fire. And many, he went on to say, of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident. How? By my bonds. Amen. There is something that happened when they saw Paul fall down. But there was something else that happened when they saw him stand back up again. And they thought if Paul can do that from prison, if Paul can do that from there, my Lord have mercy, what ought we be able to do standing here? And so there was confidence. There was confidence that got breathed into the heart of those men and those women. And they are much more, he said, bold to speak the word without fear. They may have feared when Paul fell, but when he stood back up again, when he rose from the ash, when he rose from the dust, there was a power that was infused into the church. Amen. It's not whether or not we're going to fall. It's what are you going to do when we fall? What are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? You know, it's just the nature of parents and especially mothers. And that's not a cynical statement. But when a child falls to just go run, pick them up, make sure everything else, everything's all right. But it is more so, and it's not fair to just associate because I know sometimes these lines cross. But just generally speaking, it is more so the nature of a father to say, oh, they'll be all right. Mama reaches down, swoops up, and that's all right because you need that from time to time. And then what I'd give to... To touch, hug my mother. <laughs> so I'm not being cynical. 
It's a mother's tendency to run and just and try to console, thank you, that, that wound, that hurt, that injury, whether it was real or not. And it is much more the nature of a father to just say, hey, get over it, whether it's real or not. I mean, they really need stitching, and we're with stitches, and we're just, yeah, just, it'll be all right. And our Father, our Heavenly Father, realizes that there are some times we've got to figure out how to get up. Just get up out of the dust and stand. Amen. Paul could have wallowed in self-pity. He could have, but he got up. Paul maintained a positive attitude and spirit and then wrote this letter to the Philippians. <laughs> and in this letter, he said, the gospel's being preached and people are being one. And so when you, when you fall, get up again. Whether, no matter what it is that knocked you down, no matter what it is, the Lord can use instances as our, uh, in our lives as a witness to people that are lost because people may be wondering how you just kept going. Now listen, I, I, I believe with all my heart, I know, I know Paul is the, I've been talking about him and he's the end result of this, but I believe that Stephen's spirit at his stoning was what opened the eyes that something's different here. I mean, if Stephen had been bawling and squalling, well, that's what most everybody would do. If they had been cussing and throwing rocks back at the crowd, that's probably what most everybody else would do. But when he prayed for forgiveness, something happened in the crowd. And so when people see major setbacks in your life, but you just keep pressing on, they see you walk out on Sunday morning, get in the car and leave. They see you Wednesday night, get in your car and leave. They realize, wow, there's something to this. They will want to know why. If we never give up, we have an open door to tell others. This is what Jesus said, Matthew 5, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so the church, the church in and of itself, is not some weak, anemic entity that is barely holding on in 2014. Nothing could be further from the truth. The church of the living God is a mighty army that has prepared herself for the battle at hand. That doesn't mean that we'll never have problems because nothing, nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. But when we remember the words of Micah, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. Amen. When I sit in darkness, God will be the light. Amen. When I, I'm going to get back up, I'm going to allow the blood of Jesus Christ to help heal me. I, I can't deny the fact that I stumbled. First John 1 and 8, I'm, I'm going to hurry here. The Bible says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I must never forget where my real source of strength is. And that source is found in John, revealed to us in John 15 and 5. The Lord again said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, that same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. 
John emphatically writes for us that we can do nothing without him. Yet Paul reminds us in Philippians that we can do all things through him. And so I think with that we get the picture. We must never lose sight of the fact that the church, the church is the body of Christ on earth. And so we can't separate ourselves from the church and live. We can't separate ourselves from the body and live and survive. Amen. In order for the body to be whole, we've got to abide together. I don't think a whole lot about this little finger. You may not think a whole lot about that little finger, but you just mash it. You just slam it in a door. You just let something pinch it. And after a while, after a while, that will demand all the attention and you'll care and you'll call it. And there may be people that we see at church, but yet we don't speak to them. Not because we're not speaking, but just life and circumstances just pushes us in each different direction. But you just let one member of the church be bruised and what happens, amen, the body, the body begins to focus all of its attention and resources there. Why? Because we realize I gotta stay connected to the body. Jesus said he was the vine. I gotta stay connected to the vine if I'm just the branch. Amen. I'm just the branch, but he's the vine. And so I can't get by. I can't get by without staying connected to him. And I stay connected to him through consistent prayer. Amen. Hear me. There is no shortcut. There is no other way around it. Amen. You can't say you love somebody you never talked to. You can't say you love somebody that you're not in communication with. Amen. Not just your lips, but your life. Everything about us ought to say that I love you. I love you. I love you. I can't just pray at night. Amen. Over my meal. I can't just say, oh Lord, help us on this trip. I can't just say, Lord, protect us while we're on the road. But I need somewhere between the altar and the porch, the writer said. I've got to get alone with God and I've got to let the Lord know how I feel. I want him to know that I love him with all of my heart. I want to let him know that he is the center of my entire world. But when I get up and I wipe the tears from my eyes, I want my life to keep saying the same thing I want my life, my steps my actions, my motives, I want it all to say I love you, I love you I love you, I love you Amen Sometimes I look around here on a service night, night tonight or Sunday and we're all in this place and worship and people are just magnifying the Lord together and you wouldn't know there was a problem in the house because people realize there's something more important here than me. And if I'm to survive this storm, I gotta stay connected to the vine. There are many admonitions throughout the word of God. Pray without ceasing. Be careful for nothing, everything, prayer and supplication. All scriptures give an inspiration and so the word of God, we've gotta stay connected to this. I mentioned earlier that the church is an army and so if, if an army is to be successful, then an army is going to have to have the heart and the mind of its leader. Amen. We can't just be doing our own thing. We got to have the heart and the mind of our leader. And so when we get here Sunday morning, I don't know who and it doesn't matter to me who. Somebody else is going to be scheduled to sing. Somebody's going to be scheduled to do this, scheduled to do that. We have that because we think ahead and plan ahead. But if the Spirit of the Lord takes something in another direction, we've got to have the heart and the mind of our leader. Amen. 
I had a right nice sermon to preach in the second service this past Sunday. I was pretty proud of it. But Sister Don and the Lord thought otherwise. Amen. The Lord thought otherwise. She was sensitive to the spirit of the Lord. She wasn't trying to cheat me out of my sermon. I'm trying to fix this now. <laughs> Trust me, she's not easily offended. She's worked with me for years. She'd, it'd already be over if that was the case. <clears throat> so we got to have the mind, the mind of the Lord. You felt it, didn't you? You were here Sunday. I walked to the pulpit, and right about here, I felt something just change, change. Amen. So we need to do what the leader says. Praise the Lord. I, I'm, I'm hastening to a close, musicians, if you'll come. And so just because we're winding down, please don't check out because I'm, I want to say something important here. Sometimes, and I know this may kind of sound adverse at first to what I've been saying up to now, but please hear me all the way through. I've been talking about if you fall, get back up. And I've also mentioned that sometimes getting up is not always that easy to do. And now I'm going to tell you that getting back up after a fall isn't necessarily the hardest thing that you'll ever do. The hardest thing that you'll ever do after a fall is getting back in the game. Amen. Boy, it got deathly quiet. Because you see, if we're not careful, we'll shy away from putting ourselves back in the position for that to ever happen to me again. <laughs> You've heard it a hundred times. Please hear it 101. The first time I ever got up in church publicly was to sing. And when I got up to sing, I fainted dead away. The thing to do is just avoid ever putting yourself back in that situation again. Say, well, I'm just not a public kind of guy. And I'll just stay back on the pew because apparently the Lord was trying to give me a message. Some of you are doubting me, but some of you are here. And so sometimes the hardest thing to do is not stand back up, but the hardest thing to do is to get back in the game. You got to get, I know this is kind of a, uh, an old saying and it may not re relate to everybody, but you got to get back on the horse. If for no other reason for me, for my, my sake, for me, i got to get back on the horse for me. I, that don't mean I'm going to run out and buy a horse. But i got to get back on this thing for me. i got to prove to me that I'm going to be wi willing to get back in the game. And so I've got to resist that tendency. Now, I feel like the Lord's ministering to somebody right here. i got to resist that tendency. And i got to keep marching on. We've all made bad decisions. Yes, we have. 
We've all turned left when we should have turned right. And the only thing you can do is just turn around. Who was it? Brother Mooney, several years ago, preaching at camp, admitted that, that sometimes when he is lost, he said, I find myself driving faster. <laughs> faster in their own direction. That, that just kind of, that's our tendency sometimes. If I speed up, maybe it'll fix it. No, no, no. We've got to turn around. And we've got to get back on the right road. Now, let, let's stand together. Paul said, there, I, know, I know what Paul said. No temptation has taken us, but such as is common to man. And I'm not trying to argue that at all because I believe that. But I also, I also want to kind of frame that in a 21st century setting. We live in a world today that offers us more choices in a year. Now, this is loose statistics. I don't have hard facts on this. I'm just challenging your thoughts. But we live in a society today that offers us more choices in a year than people that lived a century ago probably had in their entire lifetime. Uh, wouldn't that be reasonable? At least you get the gist of that. So we've got choices all around us, decisions to make every day. And there are days I've actually come in at the end of the day and my wife would ask me, like, you know, what do you want for supper? Or what do you want for this? And I would tell her, baby, it just makes no difference. I don't have the energy to make one more decision today. <laughs> you ever felt like that? I don't want to make one. Just surprise me. And I'll be good with whatever it is, if it's filet mignon or peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> so we've got to be wise. We've got to be wise. I close with this. A parable from a plane. Between an airplane and every other form of locomotion and transportation, there is one great contrast. Between an airplane and any other way to travel, there is one significant difference. The horse and the wagon, the automobile, the bicycle, the locomotive and the speedboat, and even the great battleships, can all come to a stop without danger. They can all reverse their engines or their power, and they can all go the other way. But there is no reverse in the engine of an airplane. It cannot back up, and it dare not stand still. If it loses its momentum and its forward drives, there's only one end result the only safety for the airplane is in the forward and the upward motion the only safe direction for you and I is to take a forward and an upward path because if we stop if we begin to slip if we start going backwards it is imminent spiritual danger Solomon said a just man falleth seven times but don't count him out. Don't strike up the band yet. Don't start rejoicing yet. Because he's going to push himself back up from the dust. Amen. We've come too far to look back. We have too much invested. <laughs> too much invested. God's been too good to me. He's been too good to me. Oh, I feel his sweet presence. <laughs> Can we love him right now, Lord? I thank you. 
Oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. God, you're so good, you're so good, you're so good. You're so good. You look out for me, Lord. You look out for me. Your word teaches me that if I dash my foot against a stone, that proactively, God, you have given angels charge over me that they would bear me up. (laughs) Oh, I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. Amen. Can we gather around this front? Can we close in family prayer? Somebody may need your strength tonight. Somebody may need your comfort tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.